0: hello everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the equalizer podcast i am your host claire watkins joined this week by andre carlisle of diaspora united and black and red united how's it going andre uh
1: going well thank you for having me back
0: yeah of course i know i feel like we're uh we like our last big u.s episode you were also on so we're, we're building some continuity here of, of like here's what comes next for the for the u.s women's national team um we do finally have a game to talk about it was their first game in quite a few months um they beat columbia three to nothing uh off of two goals uh by sophia smith both assisted by Rose Lavelle and one late goal in her U.S. Women's National Team debut by Taylor Korniak, assisted by Megan Rapino. Call it a little bit of a tale of two halves. The first half does end nil-nil, though the U.S. does get a penalty in that first half that is saved. Uh, Catalina Perez had a very good game, player of the game for both sides, arguably. Um, Saves Lindsey Horan's penalty in the first half. But let's let's do halves and halves, because I think I'll say from my perspective, we get to the end of the first half. Colombia has not really threatened in their attack much at all. I don't think at that point they had registered a shot, but. It still felt like the U.S. was less in control of what was happening than maybe they wanted to be. Um, And that seemed to sit with kind of tempo and and sharpness. It was like two kind of different things happening at the same time. So I'll just start with sort of an open. I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit, Andre. What were your impressions of the first half of that game?
1: Um, it, it is weird because it is like like you said, you don't know how to balance like what are, how, how to critique what you're looking at. Is it sharpness right. or is it something tactical that's frustrating? I think there were both, mm-hmm. to be fair. Looking back at it, um, of course, there was the lack of sharpness. But then Um, everything was just super slow. Um, Mm -hmm. It was really slow in the buildup. It wasn't really all that well organized. I mean, obviously, having said that, there were a couple chances and opportunities to get a goal. Sure. Um, Chances weren't taken, but it was not the intensity of of play that we're used to seeing from this team, um, which was a little strange. Um, So that was kind of my thing. Also, like Columbia came out with a very interesting Tactical play and like we expect them to sit back, but they almost had a sweeper behind. They back did line, right. They came that with they came with a
0: sweeper, which is cool. That's a throwback. You do not yeah, see is. that that much anymore. <laughs> and yeah, it, it, they certainly had numbers, especially centrally. Right? They had in, in the central defense. They had a lot of numbers. Um, when I was talking about them not really regis- not registering a shot in the first half, they were not pushing forward in numbers at all. Really, um, they were not giving the U.S. a lot of opportunities in transition um all of these things that we know will happen in stages in in CONCACAF qualifying um the thing that the thing that got me and i feel like we've seen this from this team this in the past this year is even just on set pieces you talk about the tempo not quite being right i just think whether they're unused to that much time on the ball or if they just were not adjusting to the to their own speed of play But when you have those kinds of weird moments where you have a set, you have a set piece and the ball gets whipped into the box and it's allowed to bounce two, three, four times, and still no one from the U S can get on it. That's unusual, even from club play for these teams. Where do you think something like that comes from? Is it just, I mean, there's just be a number of factors, right? It could be still a little bit freaked out U S game, right? Like this group, doesn't always look super in the flow. Sometimes they look like in their minds, they're going like, this is the U.S. national team. This is the U.S. national team, like very in their brains about it. Um, is it just the fact that they didn't get a ton of time to train? What? Where do you think some of that could be coming from?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's like you said, it's probably a combination of things. Um, definitely, I, I cannot imagine, I've, I try to put myself in, in in shoes, right? I try to do the old school thing suiting up for a team that's always expected to win, but not only always expected to win, but dominate. Mm-hmm. And that that pressure has to be immense. Mm-hmm. And I also think that once you get in positions to score, like Mal Pugh, she had that that chance that was right. like right there. You know, that was great ball from Sophia Smith, cut it across goal right there. You have to put that in and she misses it. I think something like that just adds pressure to the entire team. You know, once they score a goal, they're good. right? <laughs> but it's it's before that when they have like the big chance that they have to take, it's it's a little confusing. And I also think like an attack, they're waiting for some, it almost seems sometimes they're waiting for someone to take the initiative. Mm-hmm. And I think that perhaps Lindsay Iran was trying a little too hard to do that in, at times. Mm-hmm. I think she was trying to be in many, many places, um, which, you know, I don't, I don't fault the effort, but in terms of like, maybe it made it confusing or maybe it made some of the other players hesitate as to what they were expected to do in response.
0: I think that that opens up a a good topic of conversation, too, because I think we saw a little, we saw the midfield, I think, tried to really influence play in the first half. And I'm including Andy Sullivan in this as well, Um, Mm -hmm. because the normal lines of that sort of triangle that they like to play with doesn't work if you don't have a line of contention further up the field. So you did, you had someone even like Andy Sullivan, like just pushing forward because what else is otherwise she's out of the game. (laughs) Otherwise she's like, she might as well not be out there. Um, But it didn't seem like they necessarily in that moment, I think they adjusted really well in the second half, but in that moment had a plan for that, which meant that there were a lot of players moving into the same space Mm -hmm. and you can't stretch a defense if you yourself are, are getting congested. Um, so it opens up this new wrinkle idea, which I think people were talking about. And we kind of saw in the second half, which is there's been this discussion of like what the number six is for the U S and with the understanding that they're going into a very particular tournament where they are just as likely to struggle in this kind of a game than in a game where they're getting beaten in transition do we maybe see a midfield at some point where there is no traditional six and they just are like, all of these players are comfortable pushing forward and that's what we're going to do. And we're going to let the center backs take care of the rest.
1: Hmm. In certain games, you may be able to get away with that. Yeah, Um, I am. I I, I tweeted it, but I am concerned that the level of competition in this, in this um, W championship may not, allow for the same sort of tactics that we saw against Colombia. I don't necessarily think anybody's going to be, you know, having a sleeper behind a back four, for instance. Right. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, packing midfield spaces and doing things like that. Yeah. That's probably going to happen. Um, it's also going to be incredibly hot. Um, and, and of course the altitude in Monterey. So like there are other factors apart up, 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 up in addition. Well, to yeah, I'm not suggesting they play but,
0: Mexico like this at well, all. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I just, I just be like it. It's the number six is just an interesting position because I do de- I do think that like you have players that can do it in a traditional way, but then are also flexible enough to get forward as well. Like Andy Sullivan is such right. a player, she can do that. Yeah, of course. Um it's just gonna be interesting to see how like they fit other pieces. Cause yeah. you know, Vlacco even after the game said in the second half, it was they basically had two tens running around out there because you right. had Roosevelt and Ashley Sanchez, and that was what you needed. And so to me, it's like you know, and then of course Christy Mewis has a I don't know what was it like seventeen minutes or so uh, that mm-hmm. she ended up playing as a uh, as a number six and hit some some pretty good balls, but wasn't under a lot of pressure. So I don't, I don't know I still I still could I have concerns about the sixth position because the only true one we have is Andy, and we're mm-hmm. not bringing in anyone else to kind of even see how they did it. Um, I guess we got the the look of Christy and how she might be used if a match sets up similarly, but I'm. I'm a little concerned. Like I, I don't like you said. That's not how we're going to play against Mexico or Canada, right? But I still think that like if
0: Andy, if you don't want to play Andy Sullivan for every single game, yeah, maybe this is. is the game plan against perhaps Jamaica. You know, I, I yeah. possibly. Um, so again, you're 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 queuing me up. Another good topic of conversation. I think, um, like you said. We're, this was not a game. I, I had to adjust my expectations immediately upon seeing the starting 11, which is that they, they named the World Cup qualifying roster and they named this additional, these additional three players to go train with them, which it's hard to tell in that point if you're like, so are they going to play in the Columbia friendlies or is this just truly like an injury list actually that, you are, that they're there just to be pulled from like, like U.S. like alternates at the Olympics? Yeah. And it's the latter. I don't think we're going to see these three players play at all. I don't think we're going to see Sam Coffey, Jalen Howell, um, or Carson Pickett play in these games. I think what we saw in this first match was this is the group that's going to be playing in Mexico, and they need to get the minutes together before we get there. Um, what do you think of. There's like pros and cons to that approach, right? Obviously, they need minutes together. This game was not great. <laughs> but also, it. it it then just further kind of highlights the roster imbalances. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm concerned because I think you should use these matches. We we saw this, you know, heading into the Olympics as well. There wasn't a whole lot of talent evaluation happening. It was like, we're going to like, this is my group. We're going to go with this group. Yeah. And you know, when a player gets hurt, it's like, well, I guess somebody within this group has to step up because they're the ones who know the system and have trained the most in it and mm-hmm. played the most minutes. And that's a choice. That's just, that doesn't happen by circumstance. So you chose to do that in terms of who you give minutes to and who you don't. And that's where I'm a little concerned about this, because I, I think from a tali- talent evaluation standpoint, these matches could be and should be very important. Mm-hmm. When else are you going to get the chance to do it? You know, it's the excuse we heard for why somebody like and I know uh, this is me banging a drum again. I'll get back on point. Um, but why Katarina Macario only played seven minutes in the Olympics? She just didn't have that time. Well, why didn't she have that time? That right. was the question. You know, you give these players time. So I am sad for, you know, Pickett, Howe, um, and Coffee on a personal level. But also, two of those players are sixes. Right, right. You kind of need that. It's the One's conversation, a backup left back. Right. We yeah. don't have a backup left back. You know, right. it's like, why wouldn't you?
0: Right. Um. Yes. Well, yeah, You know, right. You talk about it. danger zone. Um, yeah. Emily Fox started this game. And she is getting more and more comfortable with the team. Honestly, it's so funny at this point. I'm like, she's good. Emily Fox is like, I'm I'm not worried about Emily Fox, but I like watch the team. I'm not focused on her. I'm like, she's fine. She's doing great. Um, (laughs) But if she can't go, it's one of those, right? It's, it's, um, it's interesting. And then I think this is maybe a good point to switch over to half two. Because when you, when you talk about that philosophy, right, where we're not really doing roster evaluation, the sub-patterns are a part of that, right? So mm-hmm. what we saw, I thought, to me, felt more like a replicated game state of a sub-pattern that you would see in the tournament than a, here's some players we want to get minutes. It felt like they were replicating, okay, we need to get a goal so we need to have the right people for set pieces or penalties right like mm-hmm. they 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 did a couple sub rotations and i think they actually will do in mexico but again there's no eval there other than just they they i think they put taylor corniac in in the exact same way they're probably going to use her in the tournament and it went great yeah. point proven <laughs> but <laughs> She's tall. Um, But again, I, I think that like the expectation that there's any tinkering going on, I think is not I'm not I'm not saying whether I think this is right or not. But I think that Andonovsky is being like, no, this is what we're going to do. And so we're kind of going through those paces now. Is that kind of how you read it as well?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we saw, you know, we we have what one major tournament with him um, at the helm. And, you know, we saw those, what we call uh, hockey line changes. Mm -hmm. Uh, He seems to be pretty set on, on ways that he can change the game kind of like in bulk uh, Mm -hmm. from time to time, but also in this one didn't really get line changes, so to speak, but we did get like, like you said, subs that look like, okay, now we're going to attack in this way. Right. Now we're going to do this. And these are the players we put on to accomplish that goal. So yeah, I, I did feel kind of bad for Ashley Hatch coming out because Mm -hmm. I don't think she got much of an opportunity uh, with the group that she was out there with. You know, she started this match and it was, it was, as, as we said, they struggled, they packed a lot centrally. They didn't really have a whole lot of service coming in from out wide. And I guess, you know, the reason why he, I'm I'm going to assume that the reason why he started O'Hara over Huerta oh, for at right back is because of the familiarity of playing with Washington Spirit, trying right. to get her somebody on that side that's comfortable. But then, if you're kind of not able to create service from deep, she doesn't have a whole lot to to, to attempt to use uh, to turn the goal. So I was a little disappointed that that happened. From a you know, put on my Washington Spirit hat, a mm-hmm. little frustrated about that. But you know, as you talk about the second half, though, I mean. Ashley Sanchez to me is kind of the story.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk. Let's let's get into the good. Let's get into the good stuff. So yeah, first half was a little bit of a slog, though. Like I said, in the kind, if you look at the arc of the match, if they played like this and got this kind of a result in one of the World Cup qualifying games, great job, well done, right? They yeah. defensively kept everything locked down. They did eventually get their breakthrough goals. Ended up being a relatively comfortable score line. Fine. No one got hurt, right? No, <laughs> uh, yes. uh, so let's talk about the good. Let's talk about how they accomplished yeah. that. So in the second half, I, I think it's Sanchez and Lavelle together. Mm-hmm. Um, the way Rose Lavelle plays with Ashley Sanchez is very different than the way she plays with Lindsay Haran. it seems yeah. to me. Um, I also think we talked about this last time you were on. Haran was a much more of a holding midfielder for Lyon in in this latter. Well, in pretty much all 2022 so far. And it felt a little bit like, like you said, she was overdoing it, trying to flip a switch a little bit. um, And that didn't necessarily work for who they had on the field. Uh, I think the other thing is we talked uh, or the the chatter during the game was kind of a lack of width, which was happening because we you had O'Hara and Fox kind of drifting centrally. Both of the wingers like to do the same. And it's not that drifting is a problem. Drifting can actually be really useful, but you have to know where your teammates are when you are doing that. Um, And so things opened up a lot more. And then, yeah, Andre, I know you've been been thinking about this a little bit since the game. Talk a little bit about what you saw in in Ashley Sanchez specifically and, and how she brought maybe some... Spontaneity into what was happening, and that kind of shifted even mentally how Colombia could even adjust to the U.S. attack.
1: Yeah, and I think Vlaco hit on it um, in the post game. Is basically just saying like she's somebody that could you know beat players off the dribble, and Ashley Sanchez is just so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. She is just and and she has a level of audacity that is hilarious to me. So I love watching her play because you don't really know what she's going to do, and neither does the defense. And sometimes maybe neither does she, um, but she's, she's a very reactionary player. So to me, it was just picking up the ball in those pockets and you kind of force somebody to come out and close you down. And once you do that, if you're, coming, if you're running at a player like Roosevelt or Ashley Sanchez in space, they're going to use that space against you and be able to beat you. And then the next defender has to react. And now you've got gaps opening up because of that and taking multiple players out of their position but also sometimes behind the ball, given how well she moves. Um, and, and like you said, you mentioned that so many players in the first half are coming central. I think another change was Emily Fox was getting wide mm-hmm. down, the, down the line a bit. Yep. And I think Ashley Sanchez found her a number of times through the line uh, for a cross, and that opened things up as well. So I think on both sides, the right and the left, Lavelle and, and Sanchez were able to do things that um, they weren't quite able to do when it was just Roosevelt and Lindsey Rand. Mm-hmm. And Sanchez is just like, she's so fun. She's just so fun. I rewatched the the game, or the basically the second half this morning to to kind of see like everything else that kind of happened. Mm-hmm. And you know, she won that foul that Rapino right. was able to find Corniak uh, for. But so many other things. She actually she won that penalty as well. Or she helped win that penalty for the yep. pass to Alex Morgan after she dribbled basically across the width of the box, just straight <laughs> across the midfield. Uh, beating three players across and then clipping that ball in. And uh, and then Morgan gets fouled from behind. So it's just like she creates confusion and chaos for a defense. And I think you need that with the level of talent that you have in like Sophia Smith and Mal Pugh. All they really need is you to get the ball and then they're off and running. And right. that's terrifying for a defense. And we saw Sophia Smith score two goals.
0: Yeah. And, and it's funny, this, the Sophia Smith element of it all, where it, we're in this interesting moment with the U S especially as they're about to, it'll be interesting to see kind of how much mainstream coverage the U S gets for this world cup qualifying. You know, it's not in the States, but I think quite a few publications are sending people down to Mexico. Um, It'll be on paramount plus, you know, I'll be interested to see if we get a little bit of the U S women's national team fever that we're used to, or or whether it's a little bit more subdued, sometimes qualifying is not as well uh, watched, but we're in this funny moment with Sophia Smith because if you just follow the U S she just showed up.
1: (laughs) If you (laughs) only follow
0: the U S women's national team, she was not on that Olympic roster last year. She was still playing like with the youth teams in 2019, 2020 didn't happen. Right. And then, Now here she is (laughs) scoring a brace. But then if you watch the NWSL, you're just like, yeah, she does that weekly. You know, it's just like, oh, that's just Sophia Smith being Sophia Smith. (laughs) And so I do think that that lack of 2020, that 2020 black hole of a year really has us in this these two realities of following the team where. On our side, we actually forget how new some of these players are to this system. And then yeah. on the other side, they're like, I don't know who nine of these people are. <laughs> Alana Cook, there's another, you know, it's like yeah. you have these players that just were not in the picture last year who are who are carrying the whole team now. Um, and I think the other thing that you touched on, which I think is a good point, and this is also relevant for World Cup qualifying. And I am saying this because it's a reality. This is not like again, not passing judgment. It's the way some teams are going to play. It's going to be physical. It is going to hurt. And, and and we know this and, and Columbia fouled 17 times. So the U S is seven. The U S was awarded two penalties, both of which I thought in the moment were fine and fair. Um, and we saw some frustration. Um, certainly we saw Pew get real hot in that first half. Everybody saw that. Um, we saw some players when, again, you talk about it feeling like a little tight and a little slow. It felt like some of the physicality was getting to them. And I do think that one of the things about bringing Ashley Sanchez on is she didn't seem worried about that. She has a particular kind of a, a, a gamer sort of a mind, which is that she was that, that did not enter into her brain at all. And I think that that's really important too, Because the moment you start bracing for the contact or getting frustrated by the contact, then the other team is winning. And so I think that element is also really important for what we're going to see during World Cup qualifying. Um, Also, shout out to the queen of that forever, Alex Morgan. She's been getting (laughs) getting beat up for years.
1: Yeah, pretty much. She exists, she exists on the team to take yeah. the punishment. Thank yeah. you, Alex. Thank it you for your service.
0: Does it so well? <laughs> um, okay, so now I'm gonna g i am going to I this I'm I'm teeing you up because I know that you have right. thoughts about this. Megan Rapino <laughs> comes in mm-hmm. for, for the last part of the game. Again, when we're talking like I think I think they were recreating a game state where they need Pino's dead ball ability, right? Mm-hmm. You I I saw you saying on Twitter, we've we've talked about this, chatted off offline about it, like felt like the wrong approach for this game or maybe again just a reflection of a roster that seems to be playing the hits a little bit mm-hmm. but is that okay if the hits work like Andre you you tell me your thoughts on it
1: yeah so I, I think I'll say up front fundamentally it seems like and he's the national team coach. I am a guy who talks and tweets. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I get it. I I, I do some reporting. So I get it. Like I understand the differences. I just don't necessarily understand the approach because like you said, there are some players who seemingly just popped up and there are, you know, to the public who may not follow the NWSL who just popped up and are there. I think another such player who could have such, who could do the same thing as Trinity Rodman. Right. And that's kind of my, my thing about it is, yes, it worked. You know, you got the dead ball service. You got ta- Taylor Corny actually gets her debut goal. It's a great moment. It's what you need. From my standpoint of it, though, is that we've been watching Megan Rapino on the national team for a very long time.
0: Right. Well, her placement on the roster was predicated on not needing to see her do it to know she right. can do
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's like we we know what Megan Rapinoe can do. You know, yeah. you put her in front of a dead ball. You know, you're going to get good service. And yeah. I don't think that she's going to need a whole lot of time to be able to pick out a player who's six foot one in the box. Like, right. I think that connection doesn't really need a whole lot of repetition. Sure. Um, And game time training, perhaps. But yeah. game time, I don't necessarily think so. And my other thing is, I, I really do think that you are going to need, it, it almost seems like a gamble to me on you You expect this game state to pop up enough that you're going to need to rely on it and right. get the players yeah. comfortable with it and familiar with it. And I yeah. don't know if that's the case. I, right. I, that's where I think getting somebody like Trinity Robbins, I mean, imagine a front line chasing around Sophia Smith. Who, in addition to being very good, is also a very like her balance is insane or strength. Yeah, right.
0: Well, at some point, talk about a physical game. We get about yeah. fifty-five minutes into this one. She goes, "You're not allowed to foul me anymore. I'm not going to let you."
1: Yeah, yeah. There was there was this one move. They on kept the, trying on the to line. foul her, and
0: she said, "No." Yeah, yeah. she
1: was just like, "Nope, I'm going to stand here and to basically <laughs> turn herself into a like a pile of bricks, and you yeah. can move it. It was great. Yeah. It was amazing. Like she yeah. had this one where." They like the the player nudged her from behind when she was like off both her, she was off both of her feet. Yeah. And she just planted her 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 right leg and was like, Nope, I'm not moving from the ball. Yeah. Um and so you you've got to chase around Malpew and Sophia Smith. And then in that heat or whatever, you you 30 minutes now, you've got to chase around Trinity Rodman. Yeah. You know, good luck with that from my perspective. Like, and I do think that there are going to be some times when we're not going to be able to be in control of the game as much.
0: Right. And
1: part of that is because like you mentioned, we don't really, we, we can't run a dual six because we don't have two sixes to run. Right. We don't have Sam Lewis who is good at very good at controlling a midfield. We don't have that. So we are going to probably be in games. I think I believe we're going to be in games that have a bit more transition than what Blacko yeah. seems to think. Agreed. And we're going to have to see how that plays out.
0: Yeah no it's true well you talk about evaluation as well and this is also why well this is where i this is the flip side where i was like well if this was for evaluate evaluation you didn't get any but i don't think it was so it doesn't matter which is casey murphy and goal like learned nothing she did nothing (laughs) props to her you know i'm like she
1: was there she got a cap
0: she she got a cap (laughs) congratulations casey murphy um if it had been for evaluation, it wouldn't have worked, but I don't think it was. Yeah. I think it was right. just she's, not, she's the number two and they need to get the number two um, minutes in the game. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree about Trinity Rodman. I, I think this also is something you talk about sort of the thing that concerns me about repeating the past is we saw this exact thing before the Olympics, which yep. is that in friendlies, Megan Rapinoe would come in late and she would score. And Mm -hmm. we would see that a lot. Actually, it was like, she was working her way back from injury. I remember that game against Brazil. um, Mm -hmm. And I think it was, oh gosh, was that she believes 2021. I don't remember, but it was (laughs) something like that. Um, And, and everyone's like, oh, what can Pino really do? She comes in, she scores. And then later Vladko, when talking about the older players on the team, he says, they're the ones that are scoring in these friendlies. They're the ones who are producing. And then that well ran dry when it came to crunch time. Mm -hmm. And, I think it's can become a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'll say for me, my two, my, my concerns, one of them centers around Trinity Rodman, and the other one centers around Naomi Gurma. And I expect Mm. to see Gurma get a whole game next time. Otherwise, what are we doing here? But, um, it's, it's this idea of it, it is going into these game states and, and trusting the players that you've seen do it before. And the other thing that we talk about, we know how much we don't know. We're not there. But when you go back to the Katerina Macario, seven minutes in the Olympics thing, right? There's without the information of what they were seeing in training, you could go. You could argue both sides. You could say they were really wrong to do that because she was ready. Or you could say, again, I'm not I'm not saying this, but this is the other side. (laughs) Yeah is that the reason why she's so good now is because of all of the development and training time that she, you know what I mean? It's like, Mm -mm. you don't see it till you see it, but if you're not giving them opportunities to prove it, then it places all that control in the coaching staff because they do get to say, well, we've never seen it happen. So here's why we're running with what we're running. Um, I would have put, I mean, again, I certainly hope that both Germa and Rodman get a lot of time in game two. I think you, if you, I don't know how you can look at what Ashley Sanchez brought to this game and not think that her and Rodman on the field together couldn't yeah. exponentially just push that further. Right. Um, yeah, I think if you're worried about the physicality, you got to stop being worried about that. That's what being a U.S. women's national team player is. And if you want that person to be that player, they got to get used to that too. Um, so, yeah, I, I think so. This is a good pivot then. Generally, so that's mine. I, I want Naomi Gurma to get a full a full game in the back, preferably probably with Cook. Get your two least comfortable, least uh, capped players in together. Get that, uh, build that. I mean, obviously they know each other. They're both Stanford grads. But just get that yeah. time in with the U.S. Gurma is another one where I certainly trust her based on everything i've seen from her professionally but you have yeah. to get her u.s minutes because the u.s playing for the u.s does weird things to your brain so <laughs> <laughs> you need to be in it for a little bit right um right. and then same with rodman those are those are my two um and then for the midfield. I don't. I don't know exactly. Actually, I, I think that it's an interesting. It's an interesting proposition. Maybe you start Corniac, see what she can do with a little bit more time. See what she can do with the ball of her feet. You know. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm. What do you think, Andre? What would you like to see in in game two?
1: Yeah, that's the that's the other thing, right? If, what I would like to see is Andy Sullivan getting a rest. Um, yeah, for
0: sure. <laughs> that's not? what
1: I would like to see. But again, we we yeah. we talked about all the six issues, so we'll see what happens there. Do you will you actually need a a legit six against Columbia, if they're going to sit back that deep, maybe not. So if they're going to, are they going
0: to sit back that deep in game two? Who knows? That's the question, right? Like,
1: like if you think they're going to, okay, fine. If they don't, then what is the question, right? Um, But yeah, I, I, I would like to see, I definitely would like to see Trinity, although, you know, we had the conversation about game state. I just don't think that Black maybe in some of these matches, he thinks that he's going to be able to rely on her for 90 or 45 minutes or or not, maybe not 90 minutes, but start her or give her 45 minutes. I tend to think that where she's at right now and who she's going to replace and where she could be the most effective, it's going to be that late game state, which is why I made that point that I made about bringing on Rapino instead Instead. of, of her, which was a little confusing to me, but... But yeah, I want to see Trinity Rodman. Um, I would love to see her start. I think she's definitely earned it. Would definitely be like some, she needs, regardless of whether she starts in, and for me right now, because she's clearly not going to get the game state start that already happened, right. but getting her experience is right. important. So whether she starts or comes on for 45 uh, at halftime, I think she absolutely needs that experience with the team. I'm right there with you as far as Gurma. I think Gurma and Cook need to start together. I would love to see that. Uh, This is where I go back to like the earlier conversation. I would love to see some of the three that are yeah
0: that are not yeah Yeah. that aren't there. Like I would I would absolutely
1: love to see Sam Coffey and and Carson Pickett get caps with this team. You know Jalen How already has, Um, so she's somewhat familiar, but still would need more minutes in terms of experience. So I would love to see a combination using those players. But like you said, it doesn't really seem like that's going to happen. Right. So yeah, for me, it, it really would. To me, I'm looking at Germa Cook. I want to see Sophia where to start because I Mm -hmm. think service from out wide is important. And if Robin's going to start, I think her being able to combine well with wingers and stay wide so that Robin can push inside just a little bit more. Right. She's also very good at goal scoring from those particular spaces as well. When she has the ability to not uh, to get inside and take shots at goal She's really worked on her left foot a lot. Mm-hmm. Um that kid, that kid is a cyborg, honestly. Like you tell her something's
0: wrong. Yeah, like right. I remember
1: them talking about and her. And she's left just foot, and then she comes back good. and
0: she's like, I fixed yeah. it. Yeah. It's right. Like I downloaded <laughs> yeah. the left
1: foot software <laughs> yeah, right. and I'm good. We're, we're good to go. It's just like, so yeah, I wanna see that. And I also wanna see Midge. Um, so yeah. I don't. You no, know, Trinity kind of bounces around from right to left. I know Midge is primarily a right sided player. Sure. So it may be interesting and might maybe not the most comfortable thing, but at some point I do want to see Midge and not at fullback.
0: Yeah, no, I think that I mean, yeah, I think like uh rotation, I mean it, it is this weird thing, right? Where we've we've talked about this before. Rotation should be the one of the US's main strengths because they do have yeah. such a strong twenty-three We saw the way it was implemented in the Olympics go a little bit too far in the other direction where we did see kind of like these hockey line changes and just being feeling like there's not a lot of continuity here. Um, So yeah, talk about evaluation. Like it's still tournament play is its own thing. And we've seen Andonovsky do really well in friendlies, Mm -hmm. but tournaments are their own thing. And so I think that uh, I'm interested just to see what changes are made um, in which ones are not, but yeah, I mean, I don't see why Pew or Smith needs to play most of this game. Right. I mean, you talk about rest, you want those players to be feeling as good as possible. And I know there was a little bit of, and this is also a friendly thing, but you know, they're hometown kids. So that's uh, an element in, in Colorado, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it'll be hopefully a good game. I'd like it if Columbia switch their tactics up a little bit, um, and, and maybe tried to execute some things that they're going to want to do when they go to the Copa America, because mm-hmm. they're not going to be playing teams like the U S all the time either. It's, it's a little bit yeah. of a, a flip there. So, um, yeah, it, it should hopefully be good. But so I guess ending this segment, which we were always intending to go long here on, on this one, cause it's one of the major games of the weekend. Um, how, how are you feeling about feeling about the group going in to, Yes. Game two of of this Columbia schedule. But I always wondered if after the roster dropped, if upon seeing the team play, everyone might like breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. Do you think we got the full sigh half sigh, maybe like a half sigh, (laughs) 30 minute sigh of relief a little bit?
1: I'm going to be honest, and this could just be me being scarred from the Olympics. The Those Olympics were bad. Now, I know I yeah. definitely
0: have to like be like, "Ooh, I'm getting that Olympic feeling again. You know, r-
1: r- right. And and that, uh, to be fair, we're not going to be facing like a Sweden. But I mean, Canada won that Olympics. Canada is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very good. Uh, and so is I'd Mexico, was, you know. Yeah. Mexico has gotten so much better than even a year ago when we saw them, you know, yep. b- before the Olympics. Like they are a much better team even now. Uh, they're very talented and could cause us a lot of... I mean, just look at Maria Sanchez, what she's doing in the NWSL. Yeah. she. We already can't defend her in the NWSL. It's going to be tough. Uh, so, like, I am i don't think I got any degree of a sigh, to be mm-hmm. honest. If yeah. we were doing, you know, the type of, like, player and talent evaluation that we could, we notice like, the variety of ways that we can play. Like, do we need to do a double six from time to time? Do we need to, you know, have somebody else play that role for a bit? And maybe, you know, Andy can be more flexible and go forward a bit more. But without with knowing you have another player back there, like we to me in midfield, we still have a lot of question marks. And yeah. part of that is the injuries. But part of that is we just haven't brought in players that do enough different things. Yeah. Um. So we're either going to run out the two tens and look great or question mark.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think. Going back to the Olympics, the midfield is a bigger question mark than I think it's people fully realize, um, yeah. not just in who's available, but that it just really didn't work. And and yeah. despite having very talented players in it, and I'm not sure that they've fully worked through that exactly. Yeah. Um, now, again, uh, so the forward line's playing so well, it might not matter so much, yeah. um, but as we saw in in moments of this game, it, the midfield matters a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> it does.
1: midfields are important, but that yeah, is you kind can't of a,
0: expect all the playmaking just to come from your front line. So, right.
1: But that is kind of the thing with this team. They are talented enough to make to make up some level of mistakes mm-hmm. or, or maybe deficiencies in certain areas. So it's a possibility. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, we're doomed. We're in so much trouble. But I'm going to say I'm worried. Like, I don't feel like 100 percent comfortable like we're going into this as strong as we could. Even with players available, because I don't think we've done enough to get those players prepared. And some of them aren't even coming. So
0: Right. It's the, it's the group that we have. Right. And it is kind of a funny thing. And this will be maybe my closing thought, which is that I think I feel better about the 26 than I do about the 23, which is kind of a hilarious thing to say. It felt like the 26 was a little bit of like a, it was like a a pat on the head about like, Oh no, we're good. We've got all, we've got, look at these sixes that we have in this extra group. It's going to be fine. And then you're like, Oh no, but they're going with the 23 that they have. Um, So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, again, it's we're nitpicking. We know that it, they're the mm-hmm. they're one of the best teams in the world. And this is what analyzing one of the best teams in the world is. It's it's really uh, holding perfection to the to the highest standard pretty much. And that's what they want for themselves, too. So um, we know that we know that we are uh, we are over analyzing a three nothing win, to be fair. But you got it. You got it. Because it included it's, it's two most
1: penalties. Right. I mean, it could have been. I <laughs>
0: But if we just did that, then we just like the, the name of this podcast would be soccer is a wacky game. And then we. Just, like... <laughs> right. All right. So this has been part one. We'll be back in a second after this break. Just I think talk transfer market a little bit because it's, it's popping off. Transfer market is popping off. So we'll be back in just a sec. All right. Welcome to part two of this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins, joined this week by Andre Carlisle. Please rate and review this podcast. Give us five stars. Give us a rating. We will see it. We might tweet it. It helps people find us. It just does us a great service. So just take a sec, go over to Apple Podcasts, give us a quick five-star rating and a review. We really, really appreciate it if you enjoy the show. So it's an international break. A lot of international friendlies this weekend. Um, it, the funny thing about many of them is they come with their own caveats. So I, I don't even really want to get too in the weeds with some of these results. Cause it's hard from the outside to just be like, Oh my gosh, Spain beat Australia seven to nothing. That seems bad, but there's context there or, or the England Netherlands matchup. So I think we're just going to actually talk transfer market a little bit because we've seen some movement, um, both in leagues that are in their off season and in NWSL, which is sort of in this, uh, revamp period we've made it to this break and and teams are getting ready for the second half of the season um maybe let's start with the one of today uh and maybe we can put this into uh a little well this was this was a this was a classic trade so we'll start with this so ebony salmon is going to houston uh I believe Houston paid an initial $150,000 in allocation money with much lower numbers over the next couple of years. I think some of them are performance-based, but the, the chunk of money that is going right now is one hundred and fifty dollars Ebony Salmon spoke to our good friend Theo at the Striker Texas and did not hold back, really. Said uh, she basically got pushed out in, in Louisville, That their new manager – um, essentially stopped communicating with her. Uh, she was not getting playing time, did not feel like she could do anything to get playing time, so she requested a trade. Now, my first thought upon seeing this is just a little bit of, of happiness that Salmon is staying in the end of USL. Um, I'm glad she's not giving up on the league entirely because I think still think she can be a great player for this style of play. Um, so maybe let's just start with the Houston element. Andre, how do you think Ebony Salmon fits in with that Houston Dash front line?
1: That, from a like personnel standpoint, is super interesting because mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I
0: know, right?
1: <laughs> like, I don't know how they don't they're going to play. Gonna they
0: play. don't play a front four. Let's just say yeah. that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like, you got Nichelle Prince. You got Rachel Daly, who plays typically plays a forward. You have uh, Maria Sanchez, who we talked about, and now you have Ebony Salmon. And don't right. forget, you also have Shea Groom, who usually plays pretty high underneath. Right. Some a couple of those at least centrally. So this is going to be very interesting uh, how they put it together. But also, this is one of those things where I'm like, if a player like that is available
0: yeah,
1: and you have the means to do something about it, you do it. For and sure. So I'm delighted that they did it. Um, I'm excited about their new coach that they just announced is coming in. So I am like really excited to see what they do with it. I'm hoping that Ebony doesn't have to move and like sit behind Rachel Daly for that, you know, to, to play forward.
0: I feel like if they do anything, it would be the opposite. I think they might have Daly play a little bit more of a false nine behind, behind Salmon. Um, I would love that. But you know, the weird thing as well is for me, Salmon has played so little in her two years here that Mm -hmm. I no longer feel like I have a great handle on where she's best suited. And so It's going to be a little bit of a discovery process, I think, for everybody Um, because she wasn't given a shot a lot in in Louisville to, you know, she did play centrally when she first arrived, um, but she wasn't always playing a ton by the end of the season last year. And then this year, her playing time kind of dropped off a cliff. And so it is going to take a little bit, I think, of them figuring out the best place for her but certainly with daily out for the, for the euros for the next couple of weeks, they have time to do that. So this is the right time for this kind of a move, but I agree. I don't know exactly where she fits. Maybe she does swing out wide on occasion. Maybe it is sort of daily behind her, or maybe they try something very, I don't know what they would try very different. I don't think it's worth it to bring Prince and uh, Sanchez further away from goal. I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting proposition. Um, But like you said, if you have a player that it's known in the league has requested a a trade, you go for it, right? Yeah. Um, Now, Louisville. You know, I talked to Jason Anderson about this last week, about how Louisville is this uh, team that has these individual pieces that I think are worth getting excited about. Um, Savannah DeMello is a Rookie of the Year candidate. Uh, yeah. Jessica McDonald is is excellent. Jalen Howell is coming along nicely. Um, Emily Fox, like we said, she's at this point, she just looks like a 10-year a veteran. Yeah. Um, but it's these kinds of moves, these kinds of lateral moves that feel created within the organization unnecessarily maybe. Maybe that's like the biggest thing is that Louisville sometimes do, does these things, and I'm like, I don't understand why this is happening. Within the context of each deal, I'm like, okay, fine, but why is this happening? Yeah. Saw that with with even just moving Tobin Heath's rights, right? Yeah. Or what they did with the expansion draft, or moving Ebony Salmon. Each of those individual trades are respectable in their own ways. But in terms of a full narrative for a club, I just like I don't I don't see where this is going, I guess, is maybe how I feel about it. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I would 100 percent agree. And the weird thing is like the Ebony Salmon signing to me was like one of the like probably the best forward thinking, interesting things they could have done. And then the new coach comes in, doesn't play her reportedly. What she says doesn't speak to her for a while (laughs) uh, after she requests a trade. And then. That's it. So I don't really understand. I mean, she, she, Louisville in their inaugural season obviously did not play all that well. You know, second bottom in the league and they only scored 21 goals. Ebony Salmon scored six and assisted one. Mm -hmm. 33% of their whole goal production, their inaugural season. And then just apparently she's not good enough to even get on the pitch. That's confusing. I would have a lot of questions about that, but apparently, I mean, I guess good job on getting the money, but my other problem is there's there's like using the, there's like asset collection right mm-hmm. and then there's what are you doing with them yeah and they've gotten draft picks right so that's good but those yep. are also draft picks you can't really miss right,
0: right?
1: like Jalen Howe you're gonna take her. Yeah. Emily Fox you're gonna take her now they did good in getting you know Jess McDonald I thought that was a very clever move as well but in my mind I thought like oh, this is going to be a great one-two punch with her and Ebony Salmon. It's going to okay. look amazing. I think they're going to work together very well. Jess McDonald is like the NWSL assist leader. She's going to be able to feed those balls through. Ebony Salmon is going to run onto them. They got something going there. Doesn't work out that way. Okay. All right. But it's like, you're you're right. It's like, what's the plan? And also, what are you prioritizing ahead of a plan? Because I right. don't know how... Ebony Salmon was so important for them. And then all of, all of a sudden gone. I think it also speaks,
0: it it speaks to the disconnect probably between general management and their head coach as well. And that's never a great sign um, where you have a general manager making a certain amount of moves. And then you have a new head coach come in and say, don't like that, don't like that. We're gonna move in this other direction. I remember at the beginning of the season, I I think Kim Bjorkagrim was asked. It was asked about salmon and if it was a system thing where he didn't want to play with a two front or something like that. And he mm-hmm. basically said no. He said he would do the formation necessary to get the best players on the field. And so it was pretty much a stance from the very beginning of the year that this was not that salmon was just not in the not in the plans. Not in the plans. Yeah. And and that is it does force then the general manager to have to figure out deals that don't always work in the best interest of the club. So again, good to get the money, right. But what are you doing with it is the question. Um, And then it kind of, it it affects what your goals are for this year. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's the other thing too, is you have to be very careful as an expansion side that There just always has to be quantifiable progress. You don't have to go from bottom of the table to shield winner in a year, but you have to be just showing those building blocks to improvement. And it feels like every time Louisville hits one of those, they do something else that feels like maybe a slide back. So um, we'll we'll be interested to see what they do with the money. I don't know exactly. I mean, this is kind of the point, right? The transfer market feels very open right now, but that's Mm -hmm. also because it feels like players have more options than ever. And so if you're a team like Louisville, I mean, we saw, like, we saw what? We saw Lucy Bronze kind of rumored. She probably, her agent probably spoke to a couple of NWSL clubs. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit of an extenuating circumstance because she goes to Barcelona, hard to compete with, right? Yeah, but then you also you have like speaking of Barcelona, you have like Jenny Hermoso, who I think was looking in a lot of different places. She's going to Pachuca and in, in Liga MX's femenil. Now that's a partially a money thing. There, are, there have has been talk that that's a large large contract. Um, mm-hmm. There are also other cultural reasons why a Spanish player might feel really comfortable in Mexico. I think it's great, um, yeah. but I think that you can get the allocation money. But if you've done enough lateral motion with enough players kind of not happy about their time there in the league and then people outside of the league have other places they can go, it changes the landscape for you in the transfer market so that maybe you do just have to rely on the draft. And and teams have become very good working the draft. But then, what are you using the money for? And so it just becomes kind Ooh, of yeah. this this circular thing, um, where I yeah it'll be it'll be fascinating to see what happens with racing Louisville. And I actually want to pivot this over now to the, to the other the other kind of big intra league motion in the NWSL because this is rare. We got something very very rare, which is that Taylor Smith uh, cleared waivers, so her contract. I don't I don't know if it was a it was a, they said they mutually parted ways. I don't know if it was a buyout or, or, or a waiver wire. But usually when you have a player that maybe they've asked for a trade or you truly both have identified that that would be best for them, trade is the is the operative word. Mm-hmm. It's really rare in the end of USL to let a player go for free with the understanding that she's going to be picked up by another team. Usually you do a trade for money like Louisville did. It doesn't have to be player for player. And in fact, I think at this point player for player is frowned upon because that's where you start yanking people, but um, you'd get something, a draft pick money, whatever. So for you, Andre, the fact that North Carolina waived Taylor Smith and she signed with Gotham, North Carolina is still at the bottom of the table, though they're going to have the ability to climb. Does that raise alarm bells at all? Just to be like, what went on there that they let her go for free and they really have not set their starting 11 yet. And she played for them quite a lot in the challenge cup.
1: Yeah. That was the interesting thing for me is that I thought she had found, you know, a good environment. It looked Mm -hmm. like it from her performances, um, of course, We've said this, you know, in in part one, we don't know what goes on at training and behind the scenes, but it looked like she was in a good spot. She's playing very well, contributing to that team and attack, you know, not just playing as a fullback. I thought she had a better a better position suited for her and what she's actually very good at. And I was excited about that. Um, And so this comes out of nowhere. So, like, yeah, it raises a lot of questions just on the face of it. But then I think you also add in, you know, North Carolina Courage and that front office there and some of the decisions they have made. And I've got even more questions because I don't, like, there are certain front, front offices that you kind of give the a bit, a bit of the benefit of the doubt to, you know, right. if O.L. Rain does something, you're like, okay, I, I would like to know their explanation, but I'll like, I kind of, I'll, I'll wait to hear what they have to say about it, Um, especially recently, maybe not with the hiring of Ben City, but, you know, recently been good. Um, But like this one, I just feel like I have a lot of questions that I don't believe are going to be answered. And Yeah. That, is not a good feeling to have. So I, right.
0: Hope and it does well in
1: Gotham, but I'm scared.
0: Yeah. And the thing that's interesting is it's not really Smith specific for me. It's not yeah. just, you know, what, what happened with Taylor Smith. It's more just like, what's going on there, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I hope that it's a good move. I, that's another one where I'm not entirely sure how Smith fits in. Um, Gotham yeah. has a number of wide attacking players that are all pretty firm starters, I don't know. Maybe they are still thinking her for outside back. I, I don't know. But I think yeah. that she's a player that she's the kind of player that you want on your team no matter what. So I think that that's a great signing. Um, and then, yeah, there's just been there's been some other movement in, in Europe. We saw uh, Kadisha Buchanan. She's going to go play for Chelsea, which I know, Andre, you are very excited about. Um, yes, <laughs> ecstatic about yes that. <laughs> um that move is interesting to me because it does seem like it's really just to like need a new challenge sort of a thing yeah. i think she had a good experience at Lyon; she had been there for a long time since she was quite mm. young um but just wanted to try something new um we've got lika martins to psg <clears throat> we're seeing some reports that that Katoto is probably re-signing with psg no one's really sure at this moment um Yeah. Does it seem like? What do you think it is that's that's spurring a little bit of a more active transfer market this this summer? Is it is it bigger investments? Is it the opposite? Is it still some teams really struggling to make their players feel supported? We saw Alessia Russo um, say some interesting things about Manchester United. Now that's another deal that's still kind of up in the air. Um, I'll say I'll maybe I'll give my thought and then you can tell me if you agree. Which is we're in this. We're in this gray area where I do think that salaries are consistently rising in the NWSL Mm -hmm. and out of the NWSL. I think that standards are not necessarily always rising with the salaries, Mm -hmm. and especially when you have leagues that are not regulated in that way at all, um, you might have a player in at a club that wants to move, not because they're not making a living wage or they're not playing, but it's like. I'm not having the best experience here and I want Mm -hmm. to go somewhere else. And there are other other places for me to go. And we have not yet reached a stage where everything behind the scenes is like as above board as we would like it to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that drives player movement as much as anything. We've seen a lot of players leave Manchester city. It's just whether, you know, not to go so far as to say that it's like mistreatment, but enough to have someone pursue other opportunities is that kind of the read that you're getting with some of these moves.
1: Yeah, I think you know, I think it's a combination of a few things. Now there are more options. Yeah. you know, as as women's the women's domestic you know leagues and clubs mm-hmm. expand and are able to be better you know financed and are able to sign bigger contracts and and get in the game. I think it opens things up, but also yeah, I, I do think like a lot of players are looking at it, and now the landscape does give them options and say, what do I deserve? What right. I do what do I have to put up with? <laughs> what what can I do? That's why I think like what Kansas City is doing
0: mm-hmm. is
1: so important. Like the the training center, you know, they're focusing on like the player experience when they're with the club. I think that's huge. And I think in this landscape, as you mentioned, that is going to reap benefits. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we know that, you know, they got Sam Lewis and Lynn Williams, which, you know, unfortunately they've both been injured. But I think those are like that. Those are big deals to make. Getting yeah. both of those players were really big deals to make. And I think, I think part of that was them just seeing with their own eyes what Kansas city is invested in from a player standpoint. Um, and I think, yeah, you're seeing that a lot with a lot of, play. I mean, we even saw like Aslani when she left Real Madrid, she talked yeah, about what right, happened right. there with playing through yeah. injury and she yep. just felt like that wasn't something she should have to do. So, yeah, I do think that some clubs are, are, and, and teams are kind of finding out that you, you need to do, treat people well. is yeah, kind of one of them. Right. <laughs> but, and, and without that, you know, now there are so many other options that players can choose to go where they want. And I think that can only be a good thing. So hopefully we see like the standards increase across the board. But I'm also like, I'm one of those people that like follows transfer rumors like crazy. And so I love this time yeah. of year. I know oh, a yeah. lot of people hate it. They hate seeing all the rumors and all. Well, the it's
0: hard teams. if you're a fan, if you're a big fan of a team. It's, yeah, like, it's yeah. tough.
1: But yeah. I, personally, me, I love it because yeah. I just want to think about fit. I want I love seeing player agency. I love seeing players make decisions for their own careers for yep. whatever reason it is. That's why I've, I've also loved players being like, no, I deserve better. I want to be in a better environment. I deserve this. I'm going to go here, you know, like Hermoso to Pachuca. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I loved it. Everybody was like, is it Club America? Is it Tigres? Is it Rayadas?" It's like, no, Pachuca. Pachuca. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. They're in the game now. Like, okay, like, dang it, let's go.
0: (laughs) Yep. No, I agree. I agree. I think that, I think that this stuff is fun. I think that And I don't know, I don't want to like give anyone too much credit, but I do think a little bit in the NWSL last year when all of the players were just like, let's talk about it. Now we're really going to talk about it. I think that's opened something up worldwide where everyone's just like, oh yeah, we're talking about it now. If there is something at this club that isn't working for me, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to go somewhere else. And I think that that is the standard that the men's game has had forever and so it does actually it's one of those things where it's a good thing not only just for the quality of life of these players but it keeps people talking about these leagues even when they're not playing and this is maybe like my final point the fun point Mm. which is like league of martins to uh, psg made the espn ticker in the united states on the day that it was announced espn is the broadcasting partner of the euros this summer it gives This kind of stuff gives a chance for that marketing arm, that broadcast arm, that media arm to keep talking about these leagues, even when they're not playing games. And I think that's really important. Every other league in the world has that where you've got some you got dudes sitting in chairs talking about whatever thing might be happening. Uh, mm-hmm. Even when games are not being played, and I think that that is a really important part of of keeping this like a year round conversation for people, um, and and I think that we're taking a big step forward there. So I like I like seeing that as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Now, obviously on the on the women's side, you want to see it less. Uh, some of these moves have been less so for like well, right, that are not bad. for bad
0: reasons. Yeah, yes, but
1: but you do like that Lika Martin, Martin's move was very yeah. intriguing. You know, yeah. we saw some of the you know maybe some like vague social media posts from teammates as well you're Mm -hmm. like the whole like getting into the whole thing is like sports are entertainment to me and I always look at them like that I think players are personalities also humans so I love to see like all of it combined together so I think that's why some of these like off-season moves are interesting and like you said I think it is good to talk about like what is Lika Martins going to look like at PSG you know that's a that's a massive move and yeah I think the more you Talk about these things like when Chelsea, when uh, Chelsea signed Sam Kerr, that was huge. Yeah. It was a huge deal. Right. Um, and I think the more that that happens, the better it is for the women's game across the board because as much as FIFA and UEFA and everybody else would like them to play year round, they can't. No. Please don't allow them to. No. Don't let them. But you can still have these things that drive engagement and talking about the players and be, because they deserve it. And because it's, I mean, it's just interesting. They, they, yep. It's the landscape that, like you said, the men have had forever. And the women are getting it, and I, I love that. So I want to see a lot more of it. Bring me all the transfer rumors. Bring me all the yeah. bring me all the speculation. You know, I I don't care. Like, yes, like don't give me like made up stuff. But but like I love all of it. So I'm here for it.
0: Yeah, we need we need like a like a, a woso like like wash. Like we need we. Need- <laughs> We need like agents to to start up to picking a, up the a, phone and just letting yeah. people tweet stuff. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. If you have information, you know, you hit me up.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> You'll tell the people. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Andre. I've been your host, Claire Watkins. Uh, shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy, and our distributor, Blue Wire Podcasts. We will be back next week with more US chatter, maybe some NWSL stuff to talk about. Um, it will be one day later, just so everybody knows, because of the holiday, we're going to get this up probably Wednesday of next week. Um, so it'll be a little bit more, but, uh, but yeah, hope everybody enjoyed and we'll see you next time.